This is Envision Self-Healing Podcast, episode number 30. Hi, I'm Will Fuller. And I'm Richard Miller. And we are the co-creators of EnvisionSelfHealing.com and are dedicated in helping you improve your eyesight and quality of life by taking healing into your own hands. The topic today is Understanding a Holistic Approach to Natural Vision Improvement, Part 2, The Brain. And in the second half of the podcast, we're going to be answering an email question from a website user who asks us, do I really have to do all the exercises on the free programs? So Richard, how is the world of self-healing treating you this week? Well, as, as we're doing this podcast, my contractor is packing up and cleaning out <laughs> yeah. all the, the debris and dust from my house. So as of next week, I will be nearly contractor-free, nearly worker-free. Fantastic. We, yeah. We've got guys running around the house checking the, checking <laughs> the, the air vents and the electricity. And yeah. We're quite lucky to fit this podcast in, I think. Yeah, there's, there's guys scurrying around, finishing <laughs> up stuff. So that's, uh, that's a good sign for my life, getting mm-hmm. back on track a little bit. Excellent. Yeah. Um, I bet you're looking forward to it. Oh, so looking forward to it. <laughs> the question is, when this is finished, is something else going to replace the, uh, I the busyness? I hope not. <laughs> so, no, I've learned. I, I was saying to you this morning, I think um, six months ago, I I, mean, I forget how. Yeah, six months ago, I made the proclamation on this broad podcast, I believe, saying, I've decided to rent and not buy because it would it, it would oh, yeah, eat up yeah. my life. Yeah. And I didn't do that. I bought. <laughs> and it did eat up my life. Yeah. And and there is the reality that things like this do come along in your life and you do have to just cope. Yeah, making the best of it. And I and I still I think that you make the right decision to you went head first in and just yeah. jump right in in the idea of just getting it done instead it done. of yeah. having it spend a year and in a year of your time. Yeah, but maybe less crazy than just yeah go for it. Yeah, so I did it in three months, which I think was a very good span of time to get it done in. But uh, mm-hmm. let's hope so. Anyway, we don't know yet. They're not finished. It's true. <laughs> it's true. So um, one insight I came to yesterday, which resulted from my uh, awareness of my sense of I'm going to call it sense of time. Okay. Uh, the last few days. Is and I was discussing this with one of my friends, who's a meditation buddy. Okay. We talk we talk about time quite a bit, mm-hmm. but he was saying, um, and I agree with him with this, is that when you're under that much pressure, you actually become less efficient. It's like I think to a certain degree, pressure get, keeps you flowing. You know, you can react to pressure well, but at a certain point, you become so short sighted yeah. that like you're running around in circles, basically, <laughs> and that's where I hit. A couple of days this week. Oh, it's okay. like um, you think you're being very efficient and you, you're feeling so much pressure that you have to just focus, focus, focus on what you're doing. But at a certain point, you know, you lose. Ah, it's like looking close, isn't it? It really <laughs> is. It's very similar to what we talk about. You need some distance looking. I needed to, to get beyond the little sphere that I had created around what I had to do. Yeah. Take and, a step back and take a step back and get the long, the long view, just like we do <laughs> in uh, myopia. So I was developing mental myopia <laughs> <laughs> and it's not good for you. Just the way yeah. uh, our, our normal myopia isn't good for you. So that's funny. You say that I noticed that if I'm busy and I've got to leave uh, the apartment was yeah. the other day, uh, I think before I was coming over here to do some work and I was trying to get, 
um, get the dishes done and clear all the way the juicing stuff and put things right. in the fridge and, and get this done and get this done. And I was just do I was doing bits of everything. Exactly. I was doing all this stuff for bits of it. And then in the end, I chipped a plate and exactly. did all this stuff. And I was just like, it just wasn't yeah wasn't worth it in the end. And and what you were saying before actually about the um, the the having that peak of um, focus. Uh-huh. Uh There is something in the the sports science. Uh, and the sports psychology world called the inverted U theory. Have you ever heard no, of that? No, I've never heard that. So it's a, if you uh, turn a U uh, upside down, sure. I, don't, I don't know why they just call it the N theory. Right. Well, kind of, it's not really a letter, but yeah, okay. Um, and um, so it's upside down. Uh-huh. And the idea is that the, the middle of the chart, <clears throat> excuse me, is the peak. Right. So if you're right there at the, the top of the U, the optimum level, then you're you're functioning at your peak as a sportsman. So let's... Like no. a, a high focus sport, let's say tennis. So if you're if you're before it, you're not pumped you're up lax. enough. You're not focused enough. Right. You're not achieving. And if you go over the other side of the U or the other side of the hill, so to speak, mm-hmm. then uh, then again your performance goes down because right. you're not you're too focused. You're you're yeah. too uh, yeah too Myopic, pumped up. Really, yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. there is there is that that perfect. Well, that's what level. I was experiencing exactly what you're describing. Because the, the, actually, the three month period that having that like I got to get it done in three months mm-hmm. that actually helped me to to get things done oh, efficiently. But now you're at that deadline, the deadline, and then I'm <laughs> I'm not functioning well. I'm chipping plates like you like you say. So um, anyway, I'm happy. I guess I'm looking forward to getting back to a comfort level where. I'm more at the top of that U, as you described. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. maybe, maybe now you could, uh, maybe your first eye exercise to focus on after all this is distance looking. Distance looking. It sounds really <laughs> nice. And I have a distance looking spot not far from my house that I'm you looking do. forward to to sitting at, Excellent. rather than getting up at seven in the morning and meeting my contractor, who I, who's a great <laughs> contractor. I like him a lot, but I'd much rather walk the half block to the to the spot and sip, yeah. and sip tea and look at the distance. So. <laughs> Well, uh, so when do you you reckon uh, the end of next week? I'm just trying to preempt where I'm trying to put you to another deadline on the podcast here of yeah of when you're well, back it, on track. I think it's it's bits and pieces from now on for mm-hmm. probably a few more weeks, but it's like you know one day a week bits and pieces. So I okay. think it basically is done. Fantastic. Yeah. So so next week uh, we'll be hearing hopefully a a new song. Yes. Yes. <laughs> hopefully. And how about your week? Uh, good, good. I, I was able to um, to to spend quite a bit of time focusing on the eye exercises again this week. Ironically, your busy time means that I can spend a little bit more time focusing on the uh, exercises a little bit more. Yeah, and um, yeah, real real interesting week. I've, I wish we had done this podcast on on Tuesday. I guess I, I had a bit of a mini oh. breakthrough on Tuesday, and we had a bit of a chat about it, and then. As I always say with these progresses, you sort of progress and then the next day, you you know, it's just old news and you, right. you sort of move on and right. it's not as amazing anymore. Yeah. Um, but I guess it was it was more the observation um, of engaging the brain, which is what we're going to be talking about. Right. Um, the brain in particular and, and the topic of the week this week. Um, but I realized that a big part instead of just exercising the eyes with the with the flashing lights and all the rest of it is is to purposely engage the brain and i talked a little bit about that before with the tennis ball remember i said i was learning to uh juggle in my periphery right right so i'm throwing and catching the ball and and i've been doing that and being very active with it and then i 
noticed a part of it is instead of necessarily trying to force the vision, a separate exercise could be just to sort of sit back, just like you were talking about before, taking sort of a, a distance almost, uh-huh. um, and just being present in the periphery. Um, mm-hmm. very, very Buddhist, I know. Yeah, instead yeah. of uh, being present in the now, you're being present in the periphery. Yeah. And what I did is um, I did my normal sort of meditation practice, which is very nice for me because I, I've sort of had to replace my um, breathing meditation that I do with, with peripheral meditation with, well with palming oh okay so, there we go so I've not you know it's sort of one or the other yeah for me yeah so but this time I was able to combine um the peripheral vision exercise with meditating Ooh. and uh, I sort of created a, a peripheral meditation that I've been uh, ah. working on now for the last few days and uh, it's it's real interesting it's it's a case of sort of sitting there and and just where you focus the mind um, just to focus in the periphery and even though it might not necessarily be clear or it's fuzzy and you sort of watch those negative thoughts come and go and mm-hmm. you sort of just you just stay with it and there there shouldn't be any strain it, it's just you relaxing right um, meditating oh, right experiencing the periphery now I'm, I'm having my memory of tuesday's conversation i'm with <laughs> you now yeah yeah and um and i guess the thing for me is i, I realized that i need to spend more time in my periphery and the, the more time I spend in it yeah then um, the more the brain is going to connect to it and the more I'm going to use it on a day-to-day basis right because just like with dominance if you've got a stronger dominant eye um, which again I think we might talk a little bit about today yeah yeah um, that if you've got this if there's something part of the brain that's dominating then your brain always favors what's dominating so for me that's my central vision Right. So I could maybe spend half an hour, even an hour as I do in my peripheral vision exercises. But then for the next, you know, 17, 18 hours of the day, I'm in central vision mode, right. so to speak. Mm-hmm. So um, I sort of needed to think of a way of how can I start working the periphery into my daily life that mm-hmm. that little bit more mm-hmm. so i was thinking that by sitting there meditating relaxing it's not a negative experience because a lot of the time right. like i say when you're using your periphery wow. and you bump into something that's when you notice your periphery you, you bump into something out you're more like i didn't notice my periphery because i bumped into something yeah I, it's, yeah it's, it's sort, sort of, of a negative reinforcement yeah and it, it makes you avoid it yeah you know it's uh, there's embarrassment there's fear yeah. that you know there's so much that comes along when you when you do something like that yeah um, that it's negative reinforcement. So, you know, what you're doing is you're telling the brain central vision, good, peripheral vision, bad. bad. Yeah. And you reinforce the central vision. Yeah. So this time what I was doing is just trying to let all of it go, sit there. And um, where I do uh, the meditation, I've got one window to my left, one window to my right. Curtains open, so there's light coming in both sides. I sit in the middle of the room so that I've got light coming from both left and right mm-hmm. and then i just try and uh, be observant and i'm now working on developing more exercises in how you can engage a bit ah, more with the periphery yeah um, because i notice that obviously with the periphery it responds to movement well when you're sitting in a stationary room one thing i discovered this morning is that the periphery tends to fade a little bit so i'm i'm developing and coming up with some some new protocols and Very ways nice. um, to work on this but one observation that I did find interesting is when I had that sort of breakthrough, it was on a, on a Tuesday when I realized mm-hmm. that I can sort of hold this periphery. 
Um, and I also combined it into walking. So I then moved it into walking meditation, holding the periphery whilst walking in a slow pace. Mm-hmm. And then I sped it up again to sort of a normal walk so that I'm training myself to function daily whilst holding the peripheral vision. Right. So, and I was, I was doing very successful. I was walking around the apartment. I was seeing more than I'd ever seen before in my periphery. At one point, I could see a whole door frame um, above the sides and the bottom, which is something I've never seen before. Wow. I've only ever really seen the top of it. Right. Um, or a side of it or, or something. So for me to see that, you know, it was amazing. And I walked around the apartment and I could navigate uh, pretty well in my periphery, walking around tables and chairs and all the rest of it. So I was feeling, you know, pretty smug with myself and, mm-hmm. and achievement. And then that evening I went to the farmer's market mm-hmm. and it was disastrous. <laughs> I was walking into tables, walking into people. And it. And one thing I, I was I was trying to figure it out. This is, this is going to sound really Buddhist, but it was probably yourself got control of the situation and you did couldn't quite relax into it or something like that. Yeah, I did. I did try tuning into it a little bit. Um, I mean, every, anyone that's listened to these these podcasts before um, will hear me talk about there's so many factors when it comes to being able to use your uh-huh. periphery um, when you are in this situation, like having retinitis pigmentosa. Obviously, anxiety mm-hmm. is a big one. You start getting um, anxious. Uh, right. Um, I was with my fiance and um, like I said before about how I compare vision my vision to her vision oh right and then it makes you feel like it's right becomes a negative thing even though for me i could have actually improved at that point in time at the farmer's market right but i was comparing it to her and i and i noticed that my focus is on following her is she at this store is she is this is she next to me and i can't see her you know all this my yeah, focus has yeah. shifted when I, where, where I'm just walking down the street by myself. Yep. It's very much me leading um, yeah, yeah, that makes what's sense. going on. So I can tune into the periphery and hold it. Right. Um, the third thing I noticed is that it was coming towards the evening. So it's getting darker. Yeah. Um, whereas when I was walking around the apartment, there was light coming in through the windows. And then you've got the darkness of inside. So you've got that contrast of light and dark. Mm-hmm. Whereas in, say, the farmer's market, it was just a pretty much a shade of grey. Right. Um, and it was a little bit more difficult. And then today, I've, I've been thinking about it for a couple of days now. And then um, I was walking down uh, my street and I thought, I'm surprised that I had this much difficulty in the farmer's market. Because I really, I'm noticing trees and building yeah. and now I'm noticing details like uh, handrails hmm. leading up to the stairs. Um, you know, I'm noticing all this. And I thought, you know, what is this what all was, about? Yeah. And um, and then I walked down to the bus stop. Mm-hmm. And somebody sort of was walking one direction and then chopped had changed and went in the other direction. And I nearly bumped into them. Right. right. And then it dawned on me that the reason why is that walls and buildings are very predictable. Ah. they're stationary they're in one place sure and i can just sort of focus on the periphery let go what's there is there people are Ooh. a lot more unpredictable <laughs> yeah and uh especially, and they, especially women i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> and they make them their own mind up so so yeah. when i'm walking around the farmer's market there's these little dogs walking around there's people <laughs> walking in front of you there's people jumping in to get the spinach you know there's um all different Tillers are in different areas, and some people are talking to you, some people aren't. You know, it's all this 
different that's going on you know it's almost yeah. uh i want to avoid the word control but you know you can't control the environment right, right so it just makes it that much more difficult but i was pleased because uh i sort of i was trying to figure out why you know what was going on there why yeah, was, yeah and um and i'm and i'm really trying to communicate this with people because anyone else that that might have got the achievement i improved my periphery mm-hmm. and then that evening they go out right and they bump into something or um like the other day i was standing there my fiance was right next to me and i didn't even realize and i was mm-hmm. like what am i doing here i'm doing all these exercises yeah, i'm yeah. having all these breakthroughs yeah. and i can't see my periphery yeah and it just highlights how important it is that it's your achievement you can only compare yourself to yourself never right. to anyone else and it's i guess it's all about keeping that motivation um, which is difficult, right? When it when you've got such close emotional ties with something right. like a condition, right? Um, and I guess you just just keep plodding on. And and I suppose I wouldn't have reached this point if I hadn't have kept going in the first place. So, well, maybe t- tell people to be aware that they're going to have these moments of self doubt. That to not discount those moments when you go, yeah, this is a breakthrough. I am really seeing better. That be aware that, you know, in three hours you could be saying, oh, that w- I just made that up. You know, just yeah. to be aware that that's a, a pitfall you're going to hit. And again, that's the reason why we encourage the vision diary so much. Yeah. Because people, I mean, people just forget. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just like body, you know, body stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like say you've got a tight shoulder. Yeah. And we release the shoulder. You get nice and relaxed in the shoulder. And a week later, you know the person comes back to us and we say oh your shoulders are a lot looser and they're like really it feels the same as it did right yeah you know, we, a couple we, of weeks ago yeah um and there's just the brain just adapts yeah i guess but on t- on top of this i guess it's just that much more difficult especially when you're investing time uh, money and emotions into doing these exercises and yeah. You, yeah everyone just wants results now but um i'm still quietly confident i'm really uh, enjoying especially this week with the breakthrough yeah uh, that i had i don't think that it's the be all and end all exercise but it's just another one mm-hmm. to add to the mm-hmm. repertoire yeah. um in the discovery of you know periphery and and how it all works yeah <laughs> i do walk down the street and i just think you lucky peripheral people <laughs> <laughs> life is so much easier with yeah. peripheral vision it really is try try central vision problems <laughs> I, yeah, i'm the opposite yeah. I, got, I gotta get my breakthroughs growing in central vision <laughs> we get there we get, we'll there. get there yeah yeah wait till you've you've got your breakthrough in your housing and then uh, yeah and then we're done all right excellent well i think it's about a good time to move on to topic of the week And the topic of the week this week is Understanding a Holistic Approach to Natural Vision Improvement, Part 2, The Brain. And actually, we have already started talking about it, as usual. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm anxious to talk about this. Yeah, it's it's something that, um, just to recap a little bit and what we're doing here in this series, this is going to be a five-part series. And we're basically um, trying to get you guys to understand that self-healing isn't just about improving your eyes or indeed vision improvement isn't just about working with the eyes and that it's a whole holistic approach right it's a whole body approach and that includes the mind and the brain and um so the reason i wanted it i was almost gonna launch into it when we were talking about your week uh is now you reminded me on tuesday we had this great discussion about the brain Mm -hmm. and neuroplasticity and um 
how you are in some ways challenging your brain's tendency to ignore your periphery uh, by allowing or making space for or relaxing into seeing in your periphery mm-hmm. that has always been a kind of blocked for you. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's been a, a big part of this this breakthrough, mm-hmm. um, especially as I've been looking into a lot of neuroplasticity these last few months, and it really gives you that encouragement, mm-hmm. um, and it helps direct you a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And uh, the idea that the brain gets, uh, well, it's, it's use it or lose it. If you don't use something, then the brain's ability to, to function with it or the amount of I don't know, on a computer sense, usage, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, dedicated to that shrinks. Right. So for me, I really feel like my peripheral vision usage is a tiny amount in my brain right now. Right. And the central vision is is massive, just like uh, your right hand probably has a lot more uh, space dedicated to it in your brain than your left hand. Well, it's really just like if you had had some, say, muscular or nerve problem in your one arm, and you started not using it, and you started using the other arm more and more and more, that arm would get weaker and weaker. It's just the same thing. So, yeah, so what we're saying here is that it's twofold. It's the actual structure itself is getting weaker, Mm -hmm. which for me would be the rod cells are getting dormant and Mm -hmm. weak and shutting off. And then the second part is the actual brain, an actual physical um, structure that is becoming less and less. So Mm -hmm. one thing that gives me hope and, and also more motivation to keep going with these exercises and keeping with holding the periphery is the more I'm using it, the more neuro connections the brain is starting to develop in using the periphery. It's a, it's a physical structure is being created, which I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. And th- this goes, uh, you started reading neuroplasticity right after we went to Brazil, as I remember. Yeah. yeah what, right? yeah. What happened was I was talking to our lecturer, Fernanda, right. and I uh, really did email her and let her know this I see and uh, over dinner over one of our massive kilo meals that we were oh, having okay yeah and uh, I was talking to her about um, using the periphery and how right. I felt that we really needed to connect the brain it wasn't enough just to do the exercises mm-hmm. and she talked about um, the idea of looking at something um, in your periphery and then look back again and then holding that image in your mind that was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how this sort of started and, and snowballed a little bit. Oh, okay. From there. The thing I remember, though, was her saying that the thing, I think we reported this in the podcast as well, but her saying as soon as something is compromised in your vision, that the brain prefers perfection in its oh, vision. Remember course. this? Yeah. 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 And so you, your periphery being imperfect makes the brain want to shut it off even yeah. though there's there's still data coming through and that's one of the things you're fighting is the brain's it's the brain again it's not your eyes in this case yeah. it's the brain wanting to shut off that part of your vision and it's exactly the same as having a dominant eye mm-hmm. the brain is going to favor the dominant eye because it reacts um 300 milliseconds quicker than than the other eye uh, a lot of the time it has a better color contrast. Mm-hmm. Um, More motor control. Yeah, it's maybe better acuity if you've yeah. not overworked it to, yeah, yeah, to deterioration. Maybe, yeah. um, then, you know, the brain starts favoring that eye more and more and more. Mm-hmm. Just the same as a dominant, you know, hand. Um, you favor that hand and then that means that you end up using it all the time 
and you never really want to use your non-dominant hand. Uh, a good example of that is trying to brush your teeth with your non-dominant hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I tried it several times and I convinced myself that I was going to do it. <laughs> and after about the fourth day, I just think that I just this I can't do this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess another example might be things like uh, blind spots. Mm-hmm. How you don't notice the blind spot in the other eye because the brain is choosing the good vision. Right. And it fills in the blanks for you. Right. Which is great. Well, and it, it just, unfortunately, it makes vision conditions even worse because some physical imperfection in a in a neuron or something becomes something the brain shuts off completely mm-hmm. so it just compounds your problem so you do have to deal with the brain basically that's that brings the brain back into this formula and i, I guess it's almost like survival of the fittest it's almost like natural selection right? yeah yeah i don't want to go down that darwinian route <laughs> right now um, uh, we'll save that for another day but you could argue that the you know we're trying to survive here, and the brain wants to choose mm-hmm. what is best. Yeah, um, and and unfortunately, it doesn't always pick what's healthiest. It just picks exactly. kind of what what's just what's best. Yeah, what's best for survival in the short term. Kind and of if it's anything that we've learned throughout any of this, if you don't use something, then you lose it. So it's just a downward spiral. And mm-hmm. one thing that I've found so fascinating with my discoveries over this last month is how the idea of how little my lack of periphery is to do with retinitis pigmentosa. Right. And that, in fact, the disease itself or the actual damaged cells, I now feel is actually a pretty small percentage Mm -hmm. of the peripheral field lost. Right. Um, Because I guess that can only really explain um, this increase of periphery. Mm -hmm. Because if it was actual cells rebuilding, I feel like it would be a lot slower. Although you could argue that uh, I've spent the last six years working on my eyes, so it's not been a... Yeah, but you've you've made a dramatic shift in the last month or two. Yeah. And that's that doesn't argue for the cells rebuilding themselves that's that true. quickly. Yeah. Um, and also, because it first uh, occurred when I, when I went to the ophthalmologist in uh, Moorfields Hospital in London, and she said... Your RP is looking pretty good. I'm sure she didn't. I'm sure she didn't. Doesn't say that very often. I'm sure she didn't use those words. No. Uh, she said they're looking. Uh, it's not progressed much. Right. It's still in its early stages. So for me, I'm, I'm trying to get my head around. If there's 120 million cells mm-hmm. in the periphery, only six million in our central vision, then you know I don't know how many X of those millions of rod cells are actually affected by the rp but what about the even if it's 20 million mm-hmm. what about the other 100 million you know what's going on there mm-hmm. um and it you know it, it must just be a case that the brain is selecting what is clear mm-hmm. um and you know what i what, what did i call it every day fuzzy i called the periphery fuzzy i was amazed how fuzzy the periphery actually was <laughs> um and my brain didn't want to know about it why do you want to look at something that's fuzzy, fuzzy yeah you know it, it doesn't make sense yeah um so uh yeah so so natural selection now i like to sort of think of it as a dominating brain it's always choosing what's best and then goes with it and this is why things like eye obstruction is so important um this is also why uh we talked a bit more about the distance looking about uh, myopia remember how we said that if you get used to looking near all the time then you're using the the part of the brain that wants to focus near and we're not using the distance looking mm-hmm. part of the brain. So right. it's almost like we lose right. that ability, physical and mental ability to see in the distance. Well, I was just going to bring this up, actually, ironically, that when we uh, we went to lunch and I went to the, the ATM machine mm-hmm. and I was noticing, oh, I 
feel my brain tells me I have to be a certain distance to read the screen. And I noticed if I backed up, I could still read it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I, the, my brain has been habituated yeah. to seeing the letters a certain size in my field of view. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the size it has to be for me to read it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost the same habit, kind of, yeah, habit, form, habit form. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and, this, and I think I've talked about this before as well on a computer screen. As soon as a small letter comes up, without even thinking, I lean right Forward. into the laptop. Yep. I, yeah. don't, I don't think to try and read it right. sitting back first or shifting, or which is, of course, everything that we should be doing. Yeah. So uh, I really look for, I mean, we're, this, this has been quite a big thing for us. And the more we research it, the more we realize that this science is, is so interconnected with the vision exercises that we do and, and our um, holistic approach here to self-healing and vision improvement. So we're certainly going to revert back to this topic a lot more in the future mm-hmm. um, and review uh, you know, a few more books and, and whatnot. But another big part of the brain that vision is so involved in, and that's memory. Right. And I mean, we learned in Brazil that uh, 90% of our vision is initially from the brain. Right. So it's almost, your vision is almost predetermined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Which is why we always say when we have clients that look at um, the chart and we Mm -hmm. say, okay, now look with uh, your weaker eye or the non-dominant eye. And they go, oh, I can't see anything. I'm, I'm blind in that eye. Right. There's nothing to see there. And we go, okay, well, just have a look. What, you know, what do you think you see? And they're like, oh, maybe a letter E. And we're like, yeah, perfect. That's yeah. exactly what the letter is. I thought you couldn't see anything. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, it's not clear. Well, hold on a second. One minute you're blind. Now you're not clear. And they're like, well, it's the top line. And we say, well, have a look at the second line down. Can you maybe take out, oh, maybe a C and a B? I don't know. Yeah, a C and a B. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> oh, well, it's not that clear. So, you know, you keep going and going and going. Right. So they go from being blind to being able to read the 2040 line or something, right. you know, ridiculous. So all the time we're telling ourselves that we're blind in that eye or the vision's really weak in that eye or that particular part of our vision is weak. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. It's going to be because, you know, your your brain is dictating a lot of the time what it is that you're actually seeing. Right. And um, you were saying before about how the, the memory plays such a big role in identifying objects. Right. And so given that the brain is 90% of the vision and your memory is a huge part of your brain, then it makes sense that memory would be a huge uh, part of vision as well. So that's why we actually encourage people to not only use charts that they don't know, but also be comfortable using a chart you already know the letters. Um, because... You, in your in your real world, you're walking around seeing things you already know, and your memory you have memories of them, and that fills in a lot of your vision is the memory, and that's a natural, normal thing. So don't. A lot of the times, our clients say, "I already know that chart," yeah, you know? and then that doesn't mean anything because I already know that chart. But <laughs> actually, that's the way you you work around your world is uh, rem- you have a memory of your world. And that's part of your vision. So just accept that part. Yeah. And then we also want you to, to look at charts you don't know just for, for, for that part of your vision as well. Yeah. I mean, I guess that that's so funny because that, that's, that's really part of the, the brain that's seeing as well. Because you're seeing something on the line, 
and you're telling yourself your vision hasn't improved. Yeah. You're not seeing it clearly. It's just memory. So you, right. so you uh, disassociate you with it, it yeah. and you, you reinforce the negative right. seeing again. Right. So by using different charts, you get it right and you've got no choice but to accept. True, <laughs> true. That you're seeing it. Um, but certainly with, you know, in particular, if it's a difficult line that you're used to, um, then, you know, something that you're familiar with. And I always like using the example of something like the McDonald's logo like mm-hmm. if, if i just if i went around san francisco now um with the without the word mcdonald's on it and just the golden arches and asked people what that was yeah everybody would know what it is if i if i held it from 20 if i made it real small and held it 20 feet um from everyone i'm pretty sure that a good 90 percent of the people could identify it as mcdonald's i, I was just thinking mcdonald's could change their name to mcdougall's and no one would, if they didn't tell anyone, no yeah, one would probably yeah, notice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, people would just think their vision is getting worse. And yeah. They need to get a stronger No, they would probably see it as McDonald's. They probably just wouldn't even yeah, see yeah, it. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Um, so, but if we took a, a foreign logo that, that yeah. you didn't recognize, then people just wouldn't be able to, to identify it right. as well. Right, um, and, and that's like, natural. Just accept that. Yeah. yeah. And also like with, um, I know with reading, they say that you only really pick up the first couple of letters and the last couple of letters mm-hmm. and the memory fills Feels in the, the rest. Yeah. So it's interesting when we start reading that way that we, we start appreciating that. Right, right. So certainly then uh, memory has such a big part of our vision. If we are familiar with lettering, if we're familiar um, with what's going on there with the objects and our mm-hmm. environment then our vision is going to feel better right and i guess a lot of it also sometimes if you're going to a new environment just like i was saying with the anxiety mm-hmm. then your vision can feel worse right i know i was saying before all this new work that i've been doing with my periphery i've been really starting to appreciate how much memory plays a role in vision mm-hmm. um, like say i'm looking at you now and uh, the top left-hand corner of me, there's some sort of a dark object that I've not really noticed before. Now, I'm going to assume, and I know it's not now because I've just remembered that the only light is above me here. I would assume that that is a light fixture in the top Ah, but you had corner. a memory of where the light is in the room, it's above, right? Yeah, it's to yeah. my right. And now yeah. I just remember that the guy came in to do the, <laughs> to do to do the, the heating. heating. So I'm assuming it's a heating vent, it am is. I right? It is. It is. So... And that was just memory. I didn't, it's just a dark object there. Yeah. The memory fitted in the rest. And I bet as you remember it, you could almost say, oh, I see fins now or something, you know, some sort of yeah, detail did, or the yeah, shape yeah. is shape is more rectangular than it was before. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. It, so it's, I'm really experiencing firsthand how much of an impact memory has on our vision. Um, and it really makes me realize that when I, in a new social group mm-hmm. um, or a new building or a new house, that it, it takes me time to familiarize myself with the surroundings. Mm-hmm. And when I am, then the memory takes up the rest. Yeah. And I guess that's another reason why I was saying before with the farmer's market, everything changing. Yeah. I can't hold a memory right. of where the people are going. I yeah. can hold a memory of which particular stalls might be busier than before or mm-hmm. a memory of where people are paying cash or where people come in and go out or all this stuff. But I, I can never predict how people are going to walk and hold that memory so yeah we're all fascinating there and also a big big factor here again we're going to talk about a lot is that it's the brain that sees right the eye is just designed to is just a light receptor it just picks up light that's its only job 
Yeah. Um, the eye doesn't see. Yeah. So the more we can work with the brain in vision improvement, which is a big reason, you know, you just need to let go of the Western view of your eyes cannot improve. They will only get worse. Mm-hmm. All the time you hold that view, then you're stuck right. in, that, in that place. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you can sort of just let go for a bit and just say, let's just give these, let's give these a go. Let's see. Let's just put all my previous knowledge to one side as far as what I think I can and can't improve with my vision and just see what see I just what thought happens. of a, a good way of thinking about this is um, think if you have vision problems, think of yourself This is really nice. Think of yourself as a stroke patient. <laughs> so if you think about it, stroke patients are actually some of the main subjects for discovering neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. So that a part of their brain was damaged and then they utilize a different part of their brain to recover the the function they lost through the stroke. Yeah. If you think of your eye, uh, your vision visual system the same way, it's like, okay, you've lost some of your periphery, and now maybe you're not getting the cells back in your eye, but you're remapping your brain. Mm-hmm. So it just brings the brain back into the visual picture. Yeah. And in, in the more appropriate way of like, think of yourself as remapping your brain rather than fixing the fixing the eye yeah. so much. And that, that's really exciting for me because even if the doctors are right, um, there's nothing you can do about RP. Um, you're stuck with it. Once the damage is done, it's done. I'm not working with the RP right now. Mm-hmm. I'm working with my brain, Yeah, which I'm going to say there's nothing wrong with. Yeah. A lot of other people might say <laughs> otherwise, I'm sure. Well, those are... Those are incurable <laughs> problems that you have in your brain. Yeah, yeah those are just uh, personality <laughs> problems. There you go. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it means this is something different. This is this is working with the visual system, right. not with the eye. So whatever your condition is, regardless, um, you know, you can always, there's always a different angle to work at. Yeah. You can try and improve it one way or the other. So it's worth investing that time. Okay, great. Well, we could certainly go on uh, for many hours about this uh, topic, but we're, we'll certainly save that for another day. And um, we're going to move on to the question of the week. And the question of the week this week comes through email, and it's commenting on the website and on, in particular, our free programs we have on the website. Mm-hmm. And the question is very simple. Do I really have to do all those exercises? <laughs> and, uh, and this is actually quite a, it should be a simple answer, but it's actually yeah, a little bit complex. It is. Um, and we, we sort of have to make sure that, you know, we don't send any wrong messages. You know, we don't want to just straight out and go, nah, you don't nah, do that. Just, <laughs> just do whatever you want. Well, let's go through a little of the history of why we created, how we created those programs in that we had to like come up with sort of a generic program yeah. for each condition and cover as much as we, you know, cover a general person who had that condition. Yeah. So we didn't want to leave anything out. So we probably did put in more than if we'd seen an individual and knew their individual case. Well, most, yeah, it was, it was really, we, we yeah. spent a good couple of months just trying to, because it's like, wow, this exercise is really important. But That's right, yeah. We, we had already reached, we were trying to do no it's more too than much, like too four much. Yeah, vision yeah. exercises or something. Yeah. So we were re- really trying to be selective and it's very difficult. And especially throughout all these podcasts, all our videos, the whole website, it's all about you are an individual. Yeah. And you can never compare yourself to someone else's vision, someone else's program. It's really about you, what works for you, 
your lifestyle, your personality and all the rest of it. So, uh, but I still think we did a very good job. We did do a good job, um, yeah. Of keeping it generic. So I think um, certainly as far as the eye exercises are concerned, we would say that you still want to try and keep to all those eye exercises yeah. as much as possible. Right. Um, a big thing for me is you're going to get out of this practice what you put in. So, you know, the, the idea of just palming 10 minutes a day mm-hmm. and then wondering why um, you haven't overcome night blindness. Yeah. Um, you know, doesn't doesn't really bow well. And, and everyone's looking for that quick fix. And that is a big reason why we created the Eyesight Express because we we took those big programs and we really narrowed them down to just four exercises. Mm-hmm. And then these were sort of a quick start guide introduction. It meant you were doing 40 minutes a day. You were doing those eye exercises consistently. And then maybe when time improved or, or as you, it was proven to you that these eye exercises could have benefit, then you're more likely to dedicate more time, more time to yeah. it. So, but it, it is important. Um, which is it amazes me a lot of the time because a lot of these conditions we work with are so-called incurable, right? Um, and no one else in the world would say that it, it it can be improved, or certainly no one in the West Western medicine would say it's improved. And then we go, well, here's these exercises you can improve, and then people go, but do I have to do all of them? <laughs> and yet, some people are willing to travel to China or India and get acupuncture here or there, and you know, there's and yeah, yet the, spending you know an hour a day is way too much way too much yeah so but i think uh, with the programs uh, we could say there's two issues here one is maybe the vision exercises which we're we're encouraging you to do as much uh, as possible and try Mm -hmm. not to to cut back on those Uh, the second aspect i guess with those programs is that just like this whole topic here we're talking about a holistic Mm -hmm. approach to self-healing so we include body exercises self-massage stretches hot and cold application and we also include uh, mind exercises, journaling, right. breaking the habit of glasses. And I'm assuming more to the point that this is what this person might be referring to. Right. Do I need to do all those exercises every day? In which case, I guess you could say is a couple of hours. Well, even then, we're talking about incurable diseases here. Yeah, so yeah. in theory, you should you know, want to dedicate a couple of hours a day. Being realistic, which is what we're all about trying to do here and get everybody doing these exercises and not just a select few. Um, I would probably say that try and stick to the eye exercises daily. Mm-hmm. The body and mind exercises, maybe you do every other day. Maybe you you know, do the tennis balls on a Monday, the stretches on a Wednesday mm-hmm. um, and, and sort of space it out a little bit. Write your journal once a week instead of every day and sort of play with it that way. But... I think it's really important that we don't just go, yeah, do whatever you like. Um, just choose whatever exercises because people aren't going to see results. Mm-hmm. And then all we're going to hear is, well, these eye exercises don't work. Right. Um, self-healing doesn't work. You don't know what you're talking about. So, it, you know, it really is a case of getting out what you put in. And as much as we would love to just say, just do one or two exercises, 10 minutes a day and, and sort of tell you what you want to hear, we're sort of... Our point here is to try and get you to improve your eyesight, not to um, just please your your time constraints. Or right. uh, you know, we're, we're not in the business of just telling you what you want to hear, um, which I guess makes this job that much more difficult. Right. One thing I'm reminded of is how we would treat uh, a client if we had an, an individual consultation with them. 
So say um, someone had a very tight mental attitude about their vision, like mm-hmm. they had a lot of anxiety about it or something like that. Then we actually might, in some ways, start out by emphasizing more, you know, accepting your vision, sort of the the mind approach to vision as a way of calming down that anxiety. Yeah. Um, and likewise, if we had somebody with very tight shoulders who happened to have, you know, glaucoma, let's say, we might really focus on their shoulders first. So yeah. it is it is individual to the individual. Yeah. So. And, you know, and I just thought the now you were just talking there about uh, clients, uh, I'm going to completely contradict myself now. And <laughs> exactly. when, when we first have clients, we only ever induce one, inter- introduce one or two eye exercises at a time. Yeah, we gradually build the program. That's why we, you mm-hmm. know, we suggest um, you know meeting on a regular basis because we slowly build the program to a point where you you then have your hour mm-hmm. or two a day that you know you you've eased in slowly instead of just like this email. Wow, look at all these exercises. I can't do all of these. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah. So I think in general, what we're saying is we did our best on the free programs, but they yeah. are generic. Yeah. And you, if you can't consult with us or something, then you are going to have to pick your way through and, and see what makes sense to you to emphasize. But in general, we emphasize the vision exercises for yeah. in general. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, well, we hope you enjoyed this week's Envision Self-Healing podcast. And uh, next week's topic is going to be on the mind and uh, and indeed how that influences our vision in our uh, six sessions here that we're going to be doing on understanding a holistic approach to natural vision improvement. Um, and we're going through a few series here. If you want to find out a little bit more about what we're going to be doing in the future series, then go back to part one because we do a bit of a, a review there on all of it. Certainly think about this week before we talk about the mind next week as you're working with your exercises, as you're going on about your daily life, try and think about how the brain is influencing your vision and indeed your program or even your condition and really start trying to engage with what we're talking about here on our podcast. So uh, if you want a little bit more information as well, you can head over to the Envision Self Healing uh, website, which is now up to speed again, which we're very pleased yeah. about. We, we won't go down that road. Yeah. It's healed, it's healed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it wasn't so self-healing. It was, well, it was self-healing, actually, somehow. It was a bit, yeah. It anyway. just started working again this morning. Um, anyway, head over to the website and uh, you'll see a free ebook over there called A Modern Day Guide for Improving Eyesight. And that gives a little bit more information on the basis of what we're talking about here and uh, some real basic principles of how you can improve your vision and how indeed our modern day life might have actually have prevented good vision in the first place. You can also get your hands on some free programs that we've got on our website where we cover a variety of different conditions. So uh, so head over there and uh, have a look at some of those programs and uh, see if you can work on doing the exercises, even if you can't do all of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then certainly uh, pick it a few and see how you get on. And you could also keep up to date with Richard and I on our Twitter accounts and Facebook accounts. Just search for us over there in, in those given search engines. And indeed, uh, if you're listening to this on YouTube, you could subscribe at the top of the page. Or indeed on iTunes, you can also subscribe there. You could also just search for us in iTunes. I think Vision Improvement, we come up as number one, mm-hmm. um, which is great. And uh, you'll find all our podcasts there, which is now 30. 
We right. seem to be uh, turned thirty. Plowing. I don't, I don't know what we talk about, um, <laughs> and they're getting longer. The, too. They are, um, but uh, yeah. So certainly, uh, check out some more podcasts and videos there, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you guys next week. So good luck with your exercises this week, and happy healing, and have a good week. <laughs>